Welcome to the Josh Blair Ministry Podcast, a podcast all about bringing inspiration and encouragement to your daily walk with Jesus. We pray the message you hear impacts you as you follow Christ. How many know that going to church sometimes is uncomfortable, right? Yes, thank you, Yesenia, for your honesty. Sometimes it's uncomfortable, sometimes it's not easy, sometimes there's conflict with somebody else, and you think, oh man, I really don't want to be there if they're there. You know what I'm saying? But those are the moments that God really develops something deep down inside of us if we'll stay connected and stay in the church. Like I said, there's some people that will say, I love Jesus, I don't like the church. I love Jesus, I don't love the church. And maybe we've said it ourselves before, but the truth is it's difficult to follow Jesus apart from the church. It is difficult to stay in Christ when you are not in his body. And that's what the church is. The church is the body of Christ. And the, do you know that Jesus loves the church? He loves the church. He died for the church. So it is difficult to say, I love you, Jesus, but I don't love your church because he says, as I love, you should also love. So if he loves the church, then we must also love the church, cherish the church, honor the gathering of the saints. This is what God has put in our hearts to do because Jesus died for the church. How can we say we love him and hate his body? How, how can we do that? How can you say this, I, I, I love you, Lord, but I hate your body? No. Jesus is not out of shape, y'all. His body is ripped, rippled. I don't know if that's a good analogy or not, but... But we love his body because it belongs to him. If we love him, we love his body. It's like someone who says they're a Christian, but they don't want to go to church. Is like someone who says, I'm married, but I never want to go home. I, I, I'm married, but I, I don't want to see my spouse. I don't, I don't want to even entertain them. There's no communication. There's no connection. They live in separate places. Technically, yeah, maybe they are married, but there's no relationship. There's no intimacy, there's no growth, there's no depth. And a believer who is outside the church may still be able to have faith in Jesus, but there's no growth, there's no intimacy, there's no depth, there's no maturity without the church. The church, we come together to grow in these areas. Do you know when the Bible says that the body, it also calls the church the bride of Christ. It also says that we are the house of God. This is God's house. You've heard that before when people come in. You say, well, give reverence to the house. And so some people make it to the actual building, like when there's kids running, hey, 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 honor God's house. And this is partially, that's partially true. But do you know when Paul wrote that, that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, not only was he using, he wasn't just using a singular uh, announcement to you as individual temples, but he was saying you all, or Southern, if he was Paul was Southern, he'd say y'all, y'all are the temple. Of the Holy Spirit. In fact, when you gather together, the Holy Spirit dwells here. Not just in these four walls, but any time you would gather together, the Holy Spirit is there in your midst. That's why Jesus says, "Where two or three are gathered in My name, I am also there." And so, any, so if I would, I would challenge you to think, what kind of reverence do you have for God's house? Not just the building, but the people. The people. There's so many times, in, 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 as if you've been in the church for quite some time, you've been taught you know, to, to honor your leaders and to, to know that you need a pastor, but do you know that you also need each other? 
You need each other. You are the living stones that God puts together to build his house. And we need each other. We are dependent upon each other. That is what God is calling us to do. We belong to him. We are his temple, not only individually, but corporately. And when we gather together, the spirit of God moves on all of us. So when we sing these worship songs and things and you begin to feel the spirit moving, he can do that individually, but he loves it to do it corporately. How do I know that? Because when the church was born in Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 1, the church was together, right? Jesus, he, he died, he rose from the dead, he spent somewhere upwards of 500 days ministering before he went up to and ascended, uh, not 500 days, sorry, 50 days, what is it? 40 days, thank you. 40 days, 500, that's like a year and a half, not, that's not how long he was hanging around. <laughs> That's bad theology. Uh, anyway, so he's 40 days here. Then he's about to ascend to the Father. And he says, wait in Jerusalem and my spirit will come and be poured out upon you. And so they, they are there together, it says. The day of Pentecost arrived and they were all together in one place. See, that's what we're doing here this morning. We're all together in one place. We can be the church in different places all over, but Sundays we come together in one place. And it says, And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. See, we're, we're here. We are the temple. We are the house. When we gather together, expect like a mighty rushing wind the Holy Spirit to move over us. From the beginning of the church, this is how he created the movement, and he's never stopped doing that in the movement of the church. He is continually wanting to breathe out over us his breath of life, to renew us, to strengthen us. And it happens when we gather together. And even it says, and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. So that means when we gather together, not only corporately are we feeling the spirit of God move, but individually he is pouring out his spirit on each one of us. Isn't that a beautiful thing? To know that when we gather together, as I worship him, I could be releasing a blessing in your life. Isn't that a beautiful thing? That my worship can bring breakthrough for you? Because as we gather together and wait upon the Lord, then he moves on all of us. And maybe you're not in a good place today. Maybe you're wrestling today. Maybe you're struggling today. Well, I want to worship for your breakthrough. I'm going to praise God to see him move on your life. My responsibility is to worship him, and maybe I'll open up the doors of heaven over your life too. And as God moves in your heart and in your life, then you begin to worship and begin to see the Spirit of God move in the tongues of fire over your life, and you set ablaze your heart, and then you can bring freedom for someone else. That's why we gather, so that the Spirit of God could move over all of us, no matter what we're dealing with. That's why Paul writes to bear each other's burdens. When we worship shoulder to shoulder, Arm in arm, we are lifting up each other as we lift up the name of Jesus. And God does something supernatural in us. It's not just an individual thing. Sure, you can worship at home, you can pray at home, and you should be doing that. That is important. But there's something powerful when the church comes together in the name of Jesus. So what are the benefits of gathering together? What's the purpose? What does the Spirit do when He moves on us as we gather and what, for what intention? To do that, to look more into that, we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 11. What God says about coming together. This is Apostle Paul writing to the church in Ephesus, saying, 
when God has brought you together, there's certain things that he wants to do in you. So that any time that you gather together with other believers, expect these things to be moving in you. And this is what he says. He says this, And he gave, this is God, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. This, this passage right here is where we get the understanding of a five-fold ministry. This is where we get this apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher. These gifts are in the church, for the church. What is, what's for the purpose? To equip us. This is what Paul is telling us. The first thing in these ministries as we gather together, number one, if you're keeping notes, we gather to be equipped. We come together to be equipped. Do you know that you have a mission? That you have a purpose? That you have a destiny? That you have a calling? And you need to be equipped for that calling? You need to be, what does it mean to be equipped? It means to be given the tools necessary to do the job, yes? You know, we're, we got church softball league. It's not really a church, it's not a league for churches. It's just we're in a league and we're a church. And, and we have equipment. We've got baseball gloves, bats, balls, everything that we need to play in the game. It would be hard to go up to bat without a bat, right? We're not going to get anything done. We're not going to accomplish anything. So we have to have the equipment to do the job. And when we come to church, we are reminded that we have a purpose, a calling. What is that calling? To go and make disciples. Go and share our faith. Tell people about Jesus. But you, to do that, you need to be equipped. You need to be given. So anytime that you come to church, expect to be equipped. If there's areas in your life that are lacking, like in boldness or in courage or you don't know the words to speak, or, or you get nervous or whatever, then ask the Lord for the right equipment to give you the ability to share your faith, to work and walk in boldness. That's what we're here for, to be equipped, to be given these things, to fulfill the ministry as saints. You are a saint. You give your heart to Jesus. He washes you. He cleanses you. He makes you new, and He wants to equip you. The second thing that we do when we come together, so Paul continues, it says, for building up the body of Christ. For building up the body. We come to be built up. You come to be built up. How many of you know that life can beat us down? That the struggles of life can beat us down. We come in, we're, we broke, we're broken, we're crumbled. We've been having issues, there's struggles. Well, the church, we come to church to be built up. Anybody coming to church to be built up today? To be encouraged today? That's the purpose of why we gather to be built up. It's biblical. It's scriptural. This is what it's supposed to be about. So there's not, there's, it's not a coincidence sometimes when you leave church, man, man, I feel lighter. I feel that God is moving. I feel encouraged today. That's, that's, that's part of the building up that God wants to do. It, it, it develops by creating this foundation of faith in us. The foundation of the Word of God and in worship and encouragement of each other and, and loving on each other that builds the foundation. You can't build a building without a good foundation or else it will crumble. So we have a foundation upon the Word of God in church that we walk out and we're built up as the body of Christ. Paul continues and says, Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. So not only do we come to be equipped, to be built up, but we also come to be united. To be united as a body, both in faith and knowledge in the Son of God. That means when we come together, it helps us to get on the same page about what we believe, about who Jesus is and what Jesus is doing. 
Do you know some people who are not in the church and they say that they're Christians, but they got some whacked out ideas? They think, oh, yeah, God does this, God does that. He spoke to me here. He told me to go do this and do that. And you're like, what are you talking about? That's not, I don't see that anywhere in Scripture. That's, that's a bit Looney Tunes. Well, if they're not in the church, then, then what, is the, what is the governing body that helps us make sure that we're unified and believing correct doctrine and believing correct unity, being in unity together? Why we, why we sing together helps us to be unified. We sing songs together. We're singing words together. These things help us to be unified. If you were here when Pastor Ben Brown came, and maybe you've read his book, The People of His Presence, he talks about how music instantly unifies us. We're in the right tempo, the right beat. We're singing these songs, and now we're declaring the truth about God over our lives. That's why we sing these songs. We unify together, declaring the Word of God. The Bible says that the Spirit of God comes to inhabit or dwell in the presence of His, or in the worship of His people, or the praise of His people. So we, when we gather and we're unified, that's why it's important to sing. It's important when, when we ask you to lift your hands to do it. It shows a sign of unity, so that we are we are together. The enemy comes, he comes to sow discord or disunity, but we come against the devil to bring back unity into the body of Christ. Amen? That's why Jesus says if you've got an offense against your brother or sister, before, before you go to the altar, before you go into the presence of God, lay your sacrifice, he says, at, at the altar, and go and reconcile with your brother. Then come and offer your sacrifice before the Lord. What is he saying? He's saying unity is more important sacrifice because if there's not unity then your sacrifice is null and void you're not allowing me to move through you so unity is crucial and worship is to be unified it also unifies us around the knowledge of who Jesus is and what Jesus is doing we we gain we grow in understanding we we grow in 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 the truth about who Jesus is that's why we gather together puts us on the same page Paul continues to write, it says, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. The fourth thing I want to let you know is when we gather, we gather so that we become mature believers. We gather to become mature, to grow in maturity. And this is the one that's probably the most difficult for us, honestly. Especially in the culture and the day and age that we're in. Because it is so much easier when offense happens in the church, or somebody rubs us the wrong way, or or we don't like how so-and-so looked at us. It is much easier to say, I'm leaving this church and going down the street to another church, rather than deal with the conflict at hand. But what is a sign of maturity? A sign of maturity is addressing conflict and finding resolution so that when you find resolution, you're better off than when you first had conflict. That's a sign of maturity. A sign of immaturity is seeing conflict and running from it or avoiding it or neglecting it. That's, that's what children do when they don't know how to deal with a situation. But adults say, I'm here to love God and to love you. So I choose to work through the conflict to grow in maturity so that I can better handle the things of life and the stresses of life. Children run when things get difficult. Adults, men and women, stand up and say, all right, let's figure this out. Let's get the job done. That develops maturity in us. So sometimes offenses happen 
Because the Bible says that iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Well, when you sharpen iron, there's a lot of friction. There's sparks that fly. That's what conflict is like in the church. Sometimes somebody rubs us the wrong way, and we're like, man, forget it. I don't like you. Just stay out of my face. Stay on that side of the church. I'll stay on this side of the church. But then there's no maturity. There's no growing. There's no depth. There's no, there's no, there's no mature people. And so people think, well, I'll just find another church. Well, likelihood of you being offended by another church member or by somebody else down the road is highly likely if you're unwilling. Because maybe God is putting those people in your life so that you can grow in this area that he wants you to grow in. And we have so many immature Christians jumping around all over the place, going from church to church, avoiding different people uh, because they don't want to grow. And God's saying, if you'll just confront it and work through it, I will develop something in your life. We gather to mature together. I know that's sometimes difficult. It's a hard one. But it's what he wants us to do. This is what Paul says, so that we won't be like children tossed to and fro from here and there. They don't like me here. I don't like how they looked over there. I don't like that worship. Ah, they don't like the way I dress. All over the place. You're like a child tossed to and fro by the waves of life. And no, he wants to mature us in the faith. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Not only that, but he also says not to be tricked. By the craftiness of deceitful schemes. Who is the one who schemes against the church? But the devil. The devil comes to sow his deceitful schemes. So sometimes when we get offended by somebody, we think that they're our enemy. No, we have one enemy, one common enemy, the devil who comes to kill, steal, and destroy what God is doing in us. But if we have the wisdom and the understanding and the maturity to see when the enemy is coming in to divide, we can confront him and confront the situation and bring unity back into the body of Christ again. It's what we're here for. It's what we're called to do. Rather than jumping ship, we're called to work it out. I think it's interesting that we neglect the fact that we're called to love and forgive each other. And instead, we often see those who rub us the wrong way as an annoying interference or At worst, the enemy of what God's trying to do in us. But we're called to each other. I think it's so important when you read through the scriptures, especially Paul's writings, he writes several times about forgiving one another, loving one another, encouraging, strengthening, showing mercy and grace to one another. He wouldn't write it if it wasn't always a daily occurrence, if it wasn't something that we always continually had to choose to do. Number five, the fifth reason why we come together and gather together as the church. It's to be encouraged. We gather to encourage us. That's what fellowship looks like. That's what it looks like. To grow stronger together. Hebrews 10, verse 24 and 25 says this, Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, And all the more as we see the day drawing near. You and I are called to encourage one another. We're called to stir each other up to love and good works. We gather to do that. We need to be encouraged. Say, hey man, you can do this. God loves you. He's working in you, man. Keep loving. Keep forgiving. Keep pursuing. Keep walking. Keep doing good. 
Because God is working in you. And we know the day of his return is drawing close. We know that Jesus will return once again. And we want to be a people who are on fire for him, loving him and loving others. So we encourage each other. How many of you know we need encouragement today? We need encouragement when things are not going our way, things are getting rough, things are getting difficult. So we stir up each other for these things, encouraging one another and not neglecting to meet together. Not something that we just do on occasion, but we, something we do regularly. That's why we gather. It's why we meet together in community groups during the week. It's why we spend time together. Because you and I, as believers, are on a mission. To tell others about Jesus and see their lives transformed. And to fulfill that mission, we need to be equipped, built up, united, mature, and encouraged. And these things happen within the church. And you're really not going to find them anywhere else as you walk with Jesus. You're not going to find them at the gym, at the bar, at your coworker. You're not going to find them at work. You're going to find them in the church. You're going to find life in the church. You're going to be equipped in the church. You're going to walk in maturity, find your calling in the church. So my goal is for all of you that you would understand the immense value of gathering together so that any time we have a chance to be with each other, we take hold of the opportunity. Anytime that we think, man, the church is gathering, I got to be there. I got to be there because God's going to do something like this in my life. He's either going to equip me, he's going to build me up, he's going to mature me, he's going to develop me, he's going to encourage me, he's going to grow me. I got to be there. I gotta, there's things in me that God needs to work in. I got to be there. I want that to be our mindset because your walk with Jesus depends on it. And so does the walk of others. See, you have a lot more value than you know. You have a lot more worth than you know. So when you're not here, we miss you. We feel your absence. It's as if the the body is missing a hand or a foot or an ear. It's noticeable. You are crucial. Your worship is powerful. And your worship can help bring fire upon someone else's life. So when you're absent, the body knows that you are not with us. And we miss you. You have great worth, great value, and we need you. The fact is we need each other. We need each one of our gifts that we share with each other. We suffer without you. And truly, your own development and growth as a believer suffers as well when you're not regularly coming in because God wants to do these five things in your life. And you don't know when or how he's going to do it, but he wants to do it here in this place or anytime that you gather with other believers here or in the community groups, or when you just gather to love on each other. So what do you need to do? This is my challenge for us. I would encourage you, I would challenge you to establish church attendance as a priority in your life. To designate Sundays, this is church time. This is when we gather with other believers. This is when we're going to be with our family of God. This is when we're going to be together. And then if you have others that are like, well, come do this, you say, no, come join me. Because I've established this priority because it's so important to me. And God wants to do something in my life. He wants to do something in my children and my grandchildren. You don't know what kind of legacy is developed by your faithfulness by gathering together. 
I'm a believer because my grandpa at 19 years old gave his life to Jesus and said, I'm going to make sure my family knows God. And I'm a believer because my father continued in that. And he showed me this is what it's like to follow Christ. And my boys are going to be believers because I'm going to show them. I'm going to show them. And I'm going to be right here because this is where God develops us. This is where God matures us. This is where God equips us to do the work. Amen? And so we want to leave a legacy of faithfulness, and it happens by showing our children and our children's children, this is what we do. This is how we follow. This is why we obey the Lord. We need you. So I want you to develop this uh, priority of attendance, of being with the body. Secondly, I want you to join a community group because that's where you even go deeper in life with each other and with the word and you allow the word of God to penetrate further down and we discuss what God is doing and we encourage one another and we do all of these very practical things in a much more intimate setting. And we announced this morning we're launching two more community groups, an adult group that's going to meet here, a young adult group that's going to also meet. We have our youth uh, community group that's going to be meeting here on Wednesdays. Be a part of it. If you're not in a community group, join one of those so that you can develop these things because God wants you to fulfill what he's called you to do in, his, in your life. He's given you a purpose. He's given you a mission. And you can't do it without the tools necessary. So I would encourage you to do these two things. Make them your, a priority of your life. And I guarantee you, you won't regret it. Your life will develop in so many more ways. You'll walk knowing that you're equipped You'll be built up by the Spirit and by each other. You'll walk in unity. You'll walk in maturity in your faith, and you'll be encouraged. So if this is something that all of us, I believe all of us can grow in these things, because that's why we continue to come. But if you feel like these are areas that you need to be developed in, then I want to encourage you. I want to build you up. I want to let you know God is equipping you.